Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Water Relief Podcast on the Fish on First Podcast Network. I'm your host, Noah Berger, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by someone who doesn't get much time in the spotlight, but is an integral part of the coaching staff for the, Marlins, for the Miami Marlins. He pitched five seasons in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization before transitioning to a career in coaching, which began with a job as the pitching coach of the Missoula Osprey in 2004, and eventually led to him getting a job as the bullpen coordinator of the Miami Marlins in 2020. Pitching coach for the Dominican Republic in this year's World Baseball Classic. Um, and we'll also manage a team in the Dominican Winter League this this winter. I will this year for my first time. His first time this year. Um, his friends call him Beef. Thank you so much for joining me. Everyone welcome, Mr. Wellington Cepeda. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy that the team is turning it around in the last uh, week or so. And uh, happy that we're making that push for the playoffs. Awesome. Let's start with your playing career. Um, I haven't found much information about how you first came over to the United States and got involved with the D-backs organization. What was that whole process like when you first came over back in 1997? Really, I was uh, I came to the U.S. when I was 11 years old, 1985. So I went to school here. I went my last year in elementary school, and then I went to junior high school, high school. So after I was done, Playing high school ball, I went to college in New York City, Division One Iona College, and from there, uh, uh, stopped playing baseball for a year, and then decided to go to Dominican and try to, you know, sign uh, as a professional. And that's what I did. I went to Dominican sign and played, you know, Dominican summer league for one year, and then in 1997, like you said, I came to the U.S. and played through four minor league uh, levels. Uh, which was great, great experience, and that's how, you know, my baseball career started. So you bounced around in the D-backs organization for four or five seasons. And at what point did you decide or realize that you were better off in a coaching position? What what, what went into that decision, and when did you make that decision? Really, uh, you know, every year I played, uh, a lot of the coaches, a lot of the farm system people, uh, they asked me, like, hey, someday when you're done playing, I think you could become a great coach. Uh, just your, your makeup and, you know, bilingual and all that uh, will be very, very beneficial for you, I think, as a coach later on when you retire. So, uh, you know, when I was in high A, I went to double A, started the season in double A in 2000. Uh, in 2000 and I was sent down back to low A to be around a lot of the young Dominican prospects, or Latino prospects, because we had also 
we had a big me Mexican guy that pitched in the big leagues and a lot, a lot, a lot of Dominican guys. So I lived with them and kind of teach them how to uh, play outside or be living outside of the complex because that's where they used to, all of them used to be. The only place they'd be, they were, as a player, they were in the Dominican complex and then in the U.S. complex. So it was kind of for me to guide them through that and help them out. So that year, at the end of the year, uh, close to the end of the year, I decided that I think it was time to do that. And, uh, you know, I talked to the uh, pitching coordinator when he came in town. He talked to the farm director, and, and I, they thought it was the right decision for me to make. And that's how my uh, coaching career started. Do you ever look back and have any regrets on, on switching to coaching? No, no. I know it's, a, it's, it's, it's tough to, get, to make it to the big leagues. People think it's easy. And I kind of had issues with my arm, you know, had some uh, uh, elbow surgery and all that. So I knew it was going to take me a little bit more. I was a little older than the other guys that I was playing with. So for me, I thought it was the right decision. And I, I love it that I made that decision. And I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. So I mentioned your nickname is Beef, which makes sense because your first name is Wellington, Beef Wellington. But I want to know, when did that start? Like, who was the first person that called you Beef? When did that really catch on? Uh, the first time was in 1997, the first spring training for the Arizona Diamondbacks. We didn't have a big league team. So all of our major league uh, coaching staff were with us in the minor leagues. So we were in Yuma, Arizona, super hot. And I remember the first day of uh, we were stretching. And the coaches would pass around and kind of, you know, they, they never met me before. So they were like trying to introduce themselves to me. So Brian Butterfield, a third base coach for a lot of years, Red Sox, Angels, Cubs. He was the Yankees. He was the first one to uh, came up to me and say, hey, can we call you beef? Wellington is too long. It's three syllables. And I said, perfect. I'm, I don't mind doing that. And then uh, all the players started calling me that. The first really player that really started calling me beef was one was Rod Barajas. He was part of that. He was there in spring training and also Brad Penny. Brad Penny. <laughs> um, and last thing before we get into some Marlins-specific stuff. What was it like for you to get the chance to be the pitching coach for the Dominican Republic and the WBC? And how much are you looking forward for the chance to be able to manage a team in the Dominican Winter League this year? Oh, man, that's, uh, it was an, you know, unbelievable experience, especially when I got that call from, uh, uh, you know, the GM, Nelson Cruz, letting me know that they're really looking forward for me to be that guy to lead the pitching. I was, I was really amazed, happy, you know, and again, just being Dominican, just uh, representing the country was was something that I would never forget. I was to keep it in my heart, keep it with me until until I die, the last day I breathe. So uh, it was awesome. I know uh, the outcome was not the way we wanted. Uh, we lost in the first round, but at the same time, I think we have to give credit to the other countries, especially Venezuela and Puerto Rico. Uh, they prepared themselves really well, and they play better than us. Very simple. Uh, I know he's early in camp, early in spring training. Something that I think uh, MLB should look at that and maybe push that tournament two weeks later. Instead of starting on the 11th, maybe the 25th. That will give players another two weeks of preparation uh, and also especially the pitching side of it. You know, give them more outings, maybe two or three outings before they get there. So they're in better shape. And like that, we don't have guys that to get injured because we had a lot of guys that play in the tournament that having bad years or either had issues with their arm or part of their body because of the early meaningful games, too early for them. So that's one thing. And about the other question that you asked me about the Dominican Winter League, uh, 
super excited for that. First time I'm going to manage a team. I coach more than probably around 14, 15 years in Munibal. I've always been a pitching coach. I loved it. I always go back to my country and, and do that winner. Uh, and for the team that I'm going to manage this year, it's probably going to be it's a team that I coach for the longest. So I'm really excited for that. I appreciate it for the ownership to give me the opportunity. Also, Luis Herrera, which is our bench coach, is our GM, for giving me the opportunity to manage that team. And like I said, I've been around that team for five years in a row now. So I know all the position players really well. They love me, and I'm looking forward for the challenge. All right, so now we've gotten the background and everything else out of the way. Let's focus on some more Marlins-specific stuff and more towards your role. Start with the day-to-day. You're the bullpen coordinator or coach? Which would you prefer? I prefer bullpen coach than the coordinator. Uh, we do have a bullpen coordinator, which is Rob Flippo. He does a great job. He keeps everything intact in, in there. He makes sure that we're not missing anything in there. And uh, uh, But, again, I think I'm more – I consider myself more of a bullpen coach. So, for those who aren't in the know, what what is the job of the bullpen coach? Again, it's I'm, I'm the assistant pitching coach, uh, so always trying to, uh, you know, our philosophy, the way we go of our business. Uh, that's you know, Mel Stoudemire preaches every day. Try to make sure our guys there know what we need to do. Uh, I know we we talk a lot about you know attacking the zone and doing all that. So my job is to make sure guys uh, are doing that. You know that that we have the same message throughout the whole pitching staff, the starters and also the reliever. And then on a daily basis, I got to make sure they're ready to go. You know, it starts with the throwing program. I make sure they, they're doing the right thing. They stay in a consistent basis. They they uh, they create good habits. And then uh, uh, make sure they're ready to play pitch, pitch in that day. Make sure they uh, – actually, they pitch like on back-to-back days. Make sure, you know, they, the way they play catch and do all the things that they need to do. So they could be ready for the game, and then during the game, I just got to make sure they they know where they might be pitching, and they make sure they 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 attack uh, our game plan and where we're going to attack hitters and and keep them up to date and keep them ready to go every day when when they get a chance to go out there and pitch. Um. So before we get to like the timeline of the events, when new relievers come into the bullpen, like when they're they're called up or they're required to be a trade, like Dave Robertson or Jorge Lopez. What are the first things that you want to know from them about them before using them in a game? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I do when I know someone is coming up that I haven't seen in a while or a new guy that I haven't never seen, I, you know, go in the computer, make sure I watch videos, make sure I watch their best pitches, uh, tendencies that they do, kind of know the delivery a little more. And then after that, you just make sure they're comfortable when they're up here. And, uh, you know, it's the same baseball game. They got to face a hitter. And they got to attack and do the same thing they kind of done down there that make them deserve them to to put them up here in the big leagues. So when that bullpen phone rings, who's on the other end? What's the conversation like? And what are the events that follow that? Yeah, uh, usually 90% of the time will be Mel. Mel Slotermeyer will be the one calling and letting me know who we want hot and for, we, for what particular hitter we want them ready. Uh and then for that, then it's my job to let the whoever, you know, the call was for, uh, let's say for Tanner Scott, and I'll let Tanner, hey, Tanner, get ready. They need you ready for the guy on deck. Or they need you ready for Francisco Lindor. And he knows already when Lindor is going to come, come up, and then, he, you know, he does enough throws in the bullpen to, to go out there, to be ready to go out there and compete. 
Um, so what's your relationship like with Mel Stoudemire Jr.? You've mentioned his name a lot and, and the rest of the coaching staff. And how much did that factor into you remaining with the Marlins through the change of co- coaching staffs? Yeah, I mean, me and Stott, uh, Mel go back to, what was it, 2003, maybe 20 years ago. That's when we met in uh, with the Diamondbacks. We were both coaches there, both minor league coaches. He was in uh, he was in high A as a pitching coach, and I was uh, in rookie ball, like you said, in Missoula, Montana. Uh, uh, my first year in the States as, as a pitching coach. And then we just created a good relationship uh, throughout the years, you know, spring training, spending 40, 50 days in a row, uh, go to work every day and, and, you know, having our free time, maybe in, 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 in the hotel or, or at the field, going over pitchers and, and having lunch together and things like that dinner. And that's how you get to know each other better. And then we create a good uh, bond between both of us. We trust each other. We're loyal to each other, and we have the same kind of philosophy. We believe the same things that pitchers need to do, and, and we work together really well. So a couple of just nitty-gritty kind of questions. How important is a guy like George Soriano or Brian Hoeing, guys that can just eat up innings, how important is that for the workload manage- management of everybody else in the bullpen? Uh, it is very important. And that's one thing I kind of let them know, especially Soriano. I talked to him a lot, especially in Spanish, so he understands. I said, your job, even though you might not be pitching on a three-to-one ballgame, is very important. And what you've done so far this year has been unbelievable. Like you say, eating innings, uh, giving guys, positive role guys, giving them some rest because they, he takes that role of every third or fourth day going three and a third, four and a third, 60, 65 pitches, and that will give our bullpen a big-time breather. And he's doing a great job of also keeping us in the game while he's doing that. Um, I've been told that there's this a uh, bit of an interesting backstory uh, regarding Waskar Brazaban and how the the team discovered him. Can you take me through that whole process and what happened there? Yeah, I mean, I never met Brazaban before, uh, and he belonged to a winter ball team, and they decided to cut him uh, two years ago. So my GM that we had decided to sign him. So that was the first time I met him. He came into camp, heard good things about him, great arm. He was in the independent league. He was throwing really good in the independent league. He has a good arm. He throws up to 98. So uh, we gave him the shot. I kept him in the bullpen and, you know, little by little, gave him more important innings, high leverage innings, and and he just took advantage and took off. So right away I got a call from uh, uh, Kim and also Adrian Lorenzo asking me about him. And I gave him my words. I said, I, I love this kid. I know he's 32 uh, at the time, but I think he's he, wow. he had, still has the upside, even though he's, he's that old. And uh, I think we should give him a shot. I think he could be a guy that could help us out, uh, uh, to, you know, to be more yeah. of an insurance guy in Triple Eight, maybe in, in the big leagues. And, you know, he got the call last year in July and, and really took advantage of it. He uh, performed. He's done an excellent job. But that's how he started. Uh, you know, I gave him the awards to Kim and, and Adrian that we could sign him, and and they took it. And we offered him a contract, minor league. I told him that I think he should sign with us too, because he was getting offered from other teams. And uh, you know, he went with me, and especially because he he already had a relationship with me during the winter, and also because we, and I told him we give an opportunity to guys like you in the big league. So, you know, it, all the credit goes to him. He went to Triple Eight. He performed, he kept working, he kept working until he got the call to be a big leader. Before we get to some rapid-fire questions to wrap this up, are there any former Marlins relievers 
that you thought would be great from their stuff, their behind-the-scenes work, and they just didn't end up panning out here. May have get, gone on to a, to a, to other places and have been awesome. But was there anybody that was here specifically that thought that like, man, this guy could have been really good for us? Really, uh, I mean, all those guys they did well here, and also they're doing well wherever they're at. But the, probably the only guy would be Stanek. You know, Ryan Stanek. He's here this week. Yeah, in twenty twenty, uh, you know, he had COVID. He had some issues too with his arm, and really did not pitch a lot. But you could see that you could see the power arm, you know, hundred mile an hour power arm. You could see the splitty and the slider. But the few innings that he pitched in twenty twenty were not really good with us. And I know he had that opportunity with the Astros, and, and he's done a hell of a job. And I know, you know, he was a big part of their winning last year. So uh, probably he's probably the only one that I could think of right now, a guy that we had in twenty, and uh, he's doing a good job with him on the team. All right, time for some rapid fire questions just to wrap up. Of all the relievers in the bullpen, who's the funniest guy out there? Uh, for me, uh, Tyler Scott. Who's the hype man out there? Who gets everyone going? Probably Tyler Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the guy. Right? He's, he's he's a funny kid. I first couple of innings, he always sits next to me and we talk a lot of different things. You know, things in life. Uh, you know, he's going to be a daddy soon. Yeah. I became a dad two months ago, so he always asks me about my. Daughter, how she's doing is for the he's gonna be a first time dad, so I let him know he's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Not a lot of sleep early on, but he's gonna enjoy having that new life in there, you know, every day with him. So and then after the third inning he knows his baseball business, he's pay attention to the game, get ready so he sits in another spot and kind of start getting focused for us. And then get that phone call so he could go into the game. Um, what's your favorite ballpark? Uh, probably bullpen. I'm, I'm gonna go with the bullpen. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I probably said Milwaukee. Just the setup is high. You can see the whole field. Uh, it's no panic. You you know, pitchers also watches the game, throws the pitch. There's all the places that it's tough. We on the background can't even see the game while they're pitching or the action is going on. So, uh, probably probably that's probably the best one situation for the pitchers to warm up and for me to watch the game at the same time. And then. On the flip side, what's the what's your least favorite ballpark in, in terms of bullpens? In terms of bullpen, probably uh, Philly. Philly. Everyone yeah. says Philly. Just because of the fans, you know. Right on top. They're right on top of you. They're all over you the entire game. They Not used, even when you're warming up. So they used to the have they used to have the home bullpen be the right. top one, and the Philly fans were getting onto their own team so badly they switched them. That's what I hear. Yep. But uh, that's probably the toughest one. What's your favorite song? Oof. I know this is a tough question. This is a tough question. I, I, I'm a big uh, bachata. Uh, I listen to a lot of bachata in the Dominican, so it's more Dominican music. It's probably Elvis Martinez is the name of the of the singer, but he has so many songs. I don't know which one to pick, but Elvis Elvis Martinez probably is my favorite. Which baseball city has the best food? In your opinion? I was impressed with Seattle this year. I was impressed with Seattle. Uh, Anaheim was really good. Uh, Braves used to be the best. Uh, it wasn't this this year was not really the best. But Seattle for me, I'll pick Seattle. All right, and then final thing: what is one thing people don't know about Wellington Spada? <laughs> oh, maybe uh, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, I played with Manny Ramirez. Uh, we came 
We played since we were 11 years old. When I came to this country, we would play basketball together. Same elementary school basketball team. We were starting five, both of us. And then we played summer ball for three or four years in consecutive. So I know him really well. And we grew up together in Washington Heights back in New York City. All right, now I'm about to get kicked out of here. So thank you so much for coming on on this. This was a great conversation. This has been the Water Relief Podcast on the Fishing First Podcast Network. We will be back very soon.